Welcome to In the Studio with Michael Card. What you are about to hear was recorded several years ago at the Mole Inn Studio. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed over the years, the powerful lessons from the music and conversations are as true as when we first heard them. You can stay current with Michael's music and teaching ministry via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. Now, join us for this classic edition in the studio. is in the studio with Michael Card, a weekly visit. Nice to have you along for this week's edition. And it takes place in a studio deep in the woods of Tennessee, yeah. which is a great uh, great place to do this program. And on this particular day, it's a it's an, a, an incredibly beautiful it spot. Yeah. Uh, it's just a glorious day. We could sit and talk in some sterile studio in some large city somewhere. but Like somehow, Chicago? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, maybe. But no, you come down here so you can yeah. go to Puckett's and eat ribs and uh, have, a, have a big time. It's like a retreat for me to come down here. No, you know good. that, right? Well, All right. I'm, I'm glad to have you and Joe down here. Well, we have a program planned for listeners today that I think you'll really not only enjoy, but will benefit greatly from spiritually, as a matter of fact. Bill Miller is going to be here yeah. in the second half of the program today. And you saw what Bill is carrying in with him today. Right. Bill is one of the Empty Hands brothers. He's prayed with us before, mm-hmm. one of the Native, Native American brothers, and he's going to share his music and some of his uh, story with us today. But he brought in some instruments that look pretty interesting, mm-hmm. and we'll get to that in the second half of the program here today and talk to him about what it's like to be a Native American believer in this mm-hmm. country. Nancy Guthrie is going to be with us in just a moment, as a matter of fact. Nancy uh, talks about the book of Hebrews in a very understandable and very deep way, really. I mean, yeah. she's really studied it, hasn't she? Yeah, and, and she's actually, she has a new book that she's going to share uh, some of her insights from. So well, that's great to have up. her back, too. But that gets started right after we ask you to sing a song to open the program. And we've chosen the song of Violent Grace and asking you to sing that for us now. So here's Michael Card in the studio with accompanists Steve Mikesell and Paul Eckberg on percussion. A mural of memories moved by in a blur. His prayers all seem unanswered and Thank 
Thank you for that song, Michael. Nancy Guthrie joins us in the studio now. Didn't have to drive real far to come to a mole in no, studio. She's a local. <laughs> it was a beautiful drive yeah, through sunny Franklin. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice morning this this morning. Got to make that drive with your husband, David, who's sitting in the control in room the right convertible. now. In the convertible. It was great. Oh, wow. <laughs> How about I, that? I didn't see what kind of car you were driving. Well, Nancy, you were with us last time to talk about the one-year book of hope. Yes. And, and now you've got something new coming. I do. I'm so excited to tell you about it. Well, N- Nancy's one of our favorites just because of the way she engages uh, with uh, her walk with Christ biblically and asks the hard hard questions and uh, the ones that are uh, uh, often overlooked. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, as I understand it, you're you're looking at the Book of Hebrews, but coming from that standpoint of uh, why is it that we settle for uh, you know, this walk, this American Christian walk that seems so thin and, and less than what God's calling us to. I don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that sounds like what, uh, well, you know, this book coming. of Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it, mm-hmm. but he wrote it to this group of Jewish Christians. And in some ways they lived in a situation similar to ours in that they lived in a world where Jesus was not respected mm-hmm. or valued or, and they were even beginning to wonder, is he really necessary? Mm-hmm. You know, they had all come out of Judaism and they were, they loved their traditions mm-hmm. of the temple and the sacrifices. And it's, it's, it's what made them in a sense feel worthy to mm-hmm. God. And so, you know, as time progressed after Jesus died and rose and ascended, it began to be very unpopular to be following Christ. Mm-hmm. And so these Jewish Christians, they were beginning to pay a price for it. It began to actually cost them. You know, they nobody bought bread at their bread shop anymore. Right. So this is before the split happens between right. Christians and Judaism. The big split hadn't happened yet. That's right. Mm-hmm. And so some of them were wondering, you know, can I keep that Judaism mm-hmm. that I'm so comfortable with and add Jesus to it? Yeah, with all the add-ons. Okay, well, I'll, I'll do the sacrifices. I'll be good enough. Yes. I'll have a high... Pre- yeah, okay. And we'll throw in a little Jesus, yeah, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this message to the Hebrews is, why would you hang on to all these things that were pointing to Jesus mm-hmm. um, when you've got the real thing they mm. were pointing to? A, and so, A new and living way. That's right. And over and over, he talks about holding on, grabbing on, don't drift away from... Mm-hmm. And over on over and over, he's saying to them, I want to convince you why Jesus is better, hmm. why he's better than the law, and he's better than the old covenant. He offers a better sacrifice than all these sacrifices you love to offer. Hmm. He's a better tabernacle to worship in than the temple that you've gone to. Hmm. And so he's just all the drawing shadows them. Yes. Kind of come out of the shadows of all those things that uh, you held on to and into the light almost. Yeah, he's saying you're settling for something that was is less than Mm -hmm. jesus is better so grab onto him enjoy Mm. him esteem him Mm. and i've never heard that uh uh, life situation uh applied over to our situation but that really is true we do the same not literally the same but we we do the same process but we're holding on to other things well and it's very unpopular Uh in our world we're not at least in the United States, we're not being persecuted uh-huh. for our faith. We don't know what's ahead. But there is that sense in which if you believe so solidly in Jesus mm-hmm. that he is the one unique way to know God, that he is superior above any other way to know God, mm-hmm. that's that's not uh, accept, very acceptable mm. in our world today by any means. Well, I know the way you write is you start with an experience of your own. Or a question in your own life. So is that what happened with this book as well? I mean, did you think you were holding on to something you shouldn't? Well, I think in many ways, I I think of one story I share in the book about um, coming to the point in my life. You know, I'd worked and I started working in Christian publishing right out of college. Went Mm -hmm. to Christian college. Grew up in church. And about 13 years ago, I came to the point. I was having all kinds of health issues. But I realized it's not just my physical health. I thought something else is deeply wrong. And hmm. I realized that I had a deep fear in my life. And that fear was that somebody might come up to me and ask me the question, what is God doing in your life right now? Hmm. <laughs> and as a Christian, most of us would be able to come up with an answer 
for that, you know. And I think actually I would have come up with an answer mm-hmm. that would have made me appear very uh, spiritually in tune. The correct answer. Yeah, you could have answer. given the right answer. Yeah. Well, you know, I was working in Christian publishing, so I probably would have talked about some recent project I was working on, mm-hmm. something that showed how connected I am mm-hmm. in the church, or talk about some ministry I was working on in the church. Mm-hmm. But the truth was... God wasn't doing anything in my life, and Mm -hmm. it wasn't his fault. It was because I wasn't talking to him. Mm -hmm. I wasn't listening to him. I wasn't allowing him to mold me and shape me. So so what were the sort of the dimensions of that those shadows? You know, we talked about in Hebrews the shadows of holding on to a, the tabernacle of the temple. But what so what were those? I think I grabbed on to uh connectedness with important spiritual people. Mm-hmm. You know, I was working with all of these Christian communicators in my role as a publicist in Christian uh-huh. publishing. I think I was resting on the spiritual laurels of my past. Mm-hmm. I had a really good spiritual churchy resume. Kind of a works righteousness <laughs> sort of That's thing. That's exactly sort of, right. Mm-hmm. And like, and law. It was, it was law. kind yeah. of a, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But a sense in which I've got a spiritual history I can rest on, mm-hmm. even though it's not very vital in my life today. Mm-hmm. And working really hard in the church, mm-hmm. <laughs> a leadership in the church, you know, and uh, I settled for a lot of that, but mm-hmm. then came to the end of that, that that was really empty. And I felt like such a hypocrite. Mm. I don't think there's anything more painful than feeling like a hypocrite and, and more mm. fearful, that sense of being discovered, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And you were right in a place where you were pr- could have been pretty vulnerable with all those uh, Christians asking who who would ask you those kind of questions. That's probably yeah. true. Yeah, but I just came to the point where I, something had to change, and uh, we moved to Nashville in the middle of this. And I went to visit a weekly intensive Bible study class, Bible study fellowship. Mm-hmm. And I remember that first week, Sue Johnson was the teacher, and My she wife stood went to up. That. Yes, yep. Sue Johnson. She was teaching about the woman with the issue of blood, mm-hmm. and she asked. She talked about how the life was literally draining out of her and she needed a miracle. And she asked the question, is there anyone here today who you feel like the life is draining out of you and you need a miracle? Mm. And I wanted to stand up and raise my hand. It wasn't appropriate in that Mm -hmm. situation, but I wanted to because I felt that desperate. Mm -hmm. And I realized it would take nothing less than a miracle in my life Mm. to break down the wall of stony silence between me and God and break down my sense of shame before God mm-hmm. that I had been a hypocrite for so long mm-hmm. and to find that reconnectedness with him. And, you know, I hadn't been in a Bible study like that because I kind of thought, I don't need that. Mm-hmm. Other people need that. But I know the Bible. <laughs> I'm a professional. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at that sense of desperation, I said to God, knowing you is more important than being available to my clients on Wednesday morning. It's more important than anything. And I'm committing to you. Lord, hmm. to be a part of this because I want to know you. And I know that to know you is to know you through your word. As I studied his word, I wasn't studying it just to know it and be able to spout it out. Mm-hmm. I was seeking him through it. And he began to speak to me. And most of his words were conviction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I began to repent. And he began to change me. One of the verses in Hebrews that I talk about in Hebrews 4, where it talks about the Word of God is living and active. And it's this double-edged sword that cuts us to Mm. the core. Mm. And, you know, when we think about being cut to the core and laid bare before Him, that's pretty uncomfortable, Mm. really. But, wow, it's... It's where life really begins, mm-hmm. <laughs> is to be yeah. cut to the core by his word where he reveals our inner thoughts and motives and begin to change, can begin to change us from the inside. Talking with Nancy Guthrie here in the studio with Michael Card today. Nancy's book, I know you didn't do this to write a book, but uh, out of the overflow, right, mm-hmm. of the heart comes uh, good things. And Hoping for Something Better is the title of the book. Actually, it's going to be released very soon now, just a week or so. That's right. So. Yeah. Well, my question is, uh, next question is, anyway, I've got lots of questions. How did you end up on Hebrews? I mean, mm-hmm. I can understand, well, I'm going to go read the Gospels. I'm going to talk about, focus on Jesus, you know. It's and pretty the, tough the place woman, to start, isn't the it? The woman mm-hmm. with the issue. I mean, that's a great place. He, you know, I, okay, I got that miracle. I want it now. I'm healed. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go on and let's. Well, one summer I came to the end of the BSF year, and mm-hmm. I was heading into summer. And so many summers before, I had closed my Bible at the end of BSF and been busy all summer and mm-hmm. never opened it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I thought this could be another one of those summers and I don't want that. And mm. so I want to pick a 
book of the Bible I haven't studied very much. And I want to study it like I was going to teach it. You mean to really learn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, rather than to read it and pick up a few yeah. things, I thought, I want to own it. Yeah, well, you, you study in such a way that, what if somebody asked me a question exactly. about this? Well, I better know. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so I spent that summer, I outlined it, and I, you know, I, I just really worked hard to understand it. I yeah. didn't get all the way through it, but it was a really rich summer for me. Hmm. And then a couple of years ago in August, one of our mutual friends, Teresa Sugar, called mm-hmm. me up. Mm-hmm. And they had uh, one of the, the Bible study for the fall at our church, Christ Presbyterian Church, had fallen through. And she said, could you teach this fall? And mm. She said, I'd like for you to do an overview of the Old Testament. And I said, oh, I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just you just done that. And he, it, but, it was, but it was Hebrews. That's true. <laughs> yeah. But I said, I would love to teach through Hebrews. And so I pulled out what I had worked on over that summer before mm. and... Uh, wow. delved into it some more and developed it and I taught through it that fall and it was one of the richest times of my life hmm. the way God met me in what many people consider to be an intimidating and theological book that doesn't yeah. have much real life application yeah. everyone's least favorite book Bill Lane used to say it's Hebrews I don't yeah. get that yeah no, I just don't get no that. one ever holds their hands up when you say okay is Hebrews your favorite book of the Bible yeah. <laughs> it's mine let yeah. me tell you I mean God just met me week to week mm. to help me see the big big picture mm-hmm. and then to figure out what does this mean to women like me mm. living in this modern world of 2007 what 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 is it how does it meet my need mm-hmm. in what way is Jesus better than what I'm holding on so that I want to grab onto him more mm-hmm. because of this and so I taught through the book and then that became the book hoping for something better mm-hmm. Nancy, when you walked in today, even after going through the intensive study and teaching of Hebrews that you did, when you walked in today, you said, I reread Hebrews this morning and saw some new stuff. (laughs) That's Uh, just like the scriptures. Yeah. Hmm. I did. I was, uh, there were several things that jumped out at me. I'm not sure if I can, oh, I know, I was reading, I think it's in uh, chapter four, when it talks about that we, um, those who have fled, where is that? Those who have fled to Jesus um, grab on to this hope. And I thought to myself, if we're fleeing toward this hope that God holds out to us in the person of Jesus, what are we fleeing away from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I thought, what, what have I not fled away from to grab more fully mm. onto Jesus? Because... There are so many lesser things in this life. That's a question you can ask yourself every day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What do I need to flee away from to mm-hmm. grab hold of Jesus? Mm-hmm. And and you know that's an image he substituted. The, the old image was to go and grab onto the horns of the altar. Mm-hmm. You know that's what, so that even at that he's connecting with their their Old Testament images and what you've talked about of going away. I mean, don't go flee to an altar and hold on to the horns of the altar. Go flee to Jesus and hold on to him. Yeah. And there he's specifically talking about, he talks about these promises of God Mm -hmm. that he's promised and then made an oath. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately Mm -hmm. there's a lot of things in this world we can grab onto that are unsure. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There are a lot of lies in this world that a lot of us grab onto and live by. And in Hebrews, God is talking about these promises he's made to us that all find their fulfillment in Jesus. And he's saying, this is something solid that when you grab onto it, it's an anchor for the soul. We're going to continue this conversation next week. So Nancy, I'm going to have to stop right there. Yeah. We're going to look at the different ways you, you present Jesus as the better better than uh, that we're, we're moving towards and mo- moving away from the old world. So I'm, I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about that. Nancy Guthrie, the book is called Hoping for Something Better. It'll be out virtually next week. So by the time we're back on the air next week, the book will be available. Right now, as we conclude, we're going to ask Michael to sing in the studio and then some listener emails later in the program today. Michael, the song we're going to ask you to do is In Stillness and Simplicity. Let's let God speak to us. In stillness and simplicity, in the silence of the heart I see, the mystery of eternity, in stillness and simplicity, in stillness and simplicity, I hear the Spirit. Yeah.
Michael, we always encourage you to write to us here in the studio via email. The address is in the studio at michaelcard.com. I think we have a few moments to share a couple of these notes and a couple of questions for you, actually, Michael. This mm-hmm. first one isn't a question, really. It's from a, a young college student. She says, you know, her parents, you were in college with her parents, actually, ah. at Western Kentucky. Oh, wow. Her name is Hannah. Uh-huh. And she says, this past year, God took me into a major wilderness in my life. That's something mm. we've talked about here on the program. Yeah. And she worked her way through the Sacred Sorrow Workbook. She says, throughout my wilderness, your music has been a constant encouragement and companion guide. God has used it greatly. She talks about the song, The Edge. Mm-hmm. Remember, we did that on a broadcast. Yeah, we did. And she mm-hmm. listened to that program. Um, this point, though we've never met, you're probably the most influential person in my life. That's how much oh, wow. that your writing and your music has meant to, to oh, Hannah. That's, so that's sobering. Just wanted to acknowledge that and say thank you for listening, Hannah, and yeah. God encourage you. Yeah, be encouraged. And, yeah, and thanks for taking the time to, to write like that. This You've... next one, though, is a question. Interestingly, this comes from China. Wow. From the city of Nanjing, and Andy writes to us. Mm-hmm. And he says, I just discovered your podcast. I'm so excited to have this resource available. Isn't that something? Yeah, I know. it. I live and work in China, and finding good quality teaching and challenges are sometimes difficult. I'm running to ask a question from the Palm Sunday show that featured Dr. Lane's teaching yeah. on the not-so-triumphant entry. Yeah. I must admit that Dr. Lane's perspective on Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem with his disciples made a lot of sense and creates a very different view of that day. Sure. I do wonder, though, if Jesus, why, if Jesus and his disciples were just part of the crowd and blended in, Luke's account references the whole multitude of Jesus' disciples worshiping and crying out such that the Pharisees directed Jesus to rebuke them and make them stop. Yeah, he's talking about Luke 19, uh, 39. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, rebuke, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Mm-hmm. I tell you, uh, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Um, and that, that's, that's a great insight, Andy, and it's, it's a great question. But I think the, the point that Bill Lane was making was, you know, the, 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 the Jerusalem population goes from, you know, around, um, you know, 20, you know, in the tens of thousands to in, in the hundreds of thousands for Passover. So literally hundreds of thousands of people are coming into the various gates of Jerusalem for Passover. And they're all singing hallelujah psalms. They are all, cele- you know, they've all come to celebrate Passover. And Bill's point was the, the, the so-called triumphal entry of Jesus um, is a, just a, a bump, sort of a bump in the road. I mean, it's a, it's a, la- it's a raucous, loud, celebrating crowd coming in anyway. And, uh, and I, I don't think that is to say, that is not to uh, go against the passage in Luke, which says that definitely in the midst of this seething crowd, there are around Jesus, his disciples. He has just uh, come from Jericho where he's, you know, performed a healing. And um, there's a lot of uh, momentary excitement. But um, I think what Bill fought against was the idea that, you know, the, the, the whole um, picture of the entry of Jesus into Jerusalem was that it was all about Jesus. Uh, and, it, and it really wasn't. Certainly the group around him were celebrating the miracle that he had just done and, and their expectations were that he was going to come perhaps and, and reign. And so that's a good question, Andy. I don't, I don't know if that totally answers it, but it, it, you're right. There is this adulation around Jesus, but it's, it's just uh, uh, in the, it's a drop of a, in the bucket of a huge crowd that's coming in. And, uh, and, and the other thing that Bill loved to um, help clarify was the people that would say, oh, well, the same people that are shouting hallelujah when he comes in are shouting crucify him, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a week later uh, when he's on the cross. And Bill would would really try to make clear that we're talking about two different crowds of people. We have Passover pilgrims in the first crowd who are and disciples who are shouting hallelujah. The people who are shouting crucify him are very clearly 
the rabble in Jerusalem. Okay. So it's so two different have, groups. have to look at that very carefully. Yeah. Uh, well, Andy's question but came to question. us from China. I thought that was a pretty far distance, but here's one from South Korea. Wow. Jennifer wants you to sing a song. Oh, that's easy. She said she went to the website, clicked on In the Studio, and, and heard your music. What a blessing, she says. So she thinks all she has to do is just email a, a, an e-quest in, and we'll just sing the song. Is that what she thinks? She And she's right. <laughs> she's absolutely right, because you're going to sing this right now, Michael, whether you want to or not. No. Actually, you don't have to sing it right now, because we're going to reach back to a live performance you gave oh, in good. Waukegan, Illinois, when you sang Song of Gomer. Ah. And that's the request here from Jennifer. So here's Michael Card. forgiving me how he keeps his sanity Hosea you're a fool a fool to love someone like me a fool to suffer silently though sometimes through your eyes I see I'd rather be a fool the fondness of a father the passion of a child gentleness of a loving friend, an understanding smile. All of this and so much more you've lavished on a faithless whore. I've never known love like this before. Hosea, you're a fool. A fool to love someone like me. A fool to suffer silently. But sometimes through your eyes I see I'd rather told to lift a love that you couldn't hold and though time and time again I flee I'm always glad to see you coming after me simply more than I can see how he keeps on forgiving me the wife of adultery and Gomer is mine Michael Card performing song about Gomer as we come to the halfway point in this session here in the studio. Before we take a break, I want to remind you to send us your comments and questions to in the studio at michaelcard.com. And through michaelcard.com, you can listen to this entire broadcast again on our radio archive and program podcast. And we'll be back with the amazing music and insights from Bill Miller after these messages in the studio with Michael Card. Coming up next week in the studio with Michael Card, Michael will open the word and teach on the life of Jesus. And there'll be guest conversations and plenty of music woven throughout the hour that will inspire you to follow Christ in new and deeper ways. The instruments are tuned and the Bible is open, so make sure you join us for this unforgettable session. Look for the post and invite other like minds to hear this program on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play. All the details at michaelcard.com. studio with Michael Card. And I'm glad it's a studio because we're going to hear some music here in just a few moments, Michael. rbc.net is a website that we'd like to point our listeners to. Lots of resources there, starting with Our Daily Bread. I think most people know about Our Daily Bread. If you don't, be sure to sign up for it's that. A, it is a wonderful daily uh, uh, meditational reading uh, source that people all over the world use. But there are other resources uh, there for your growth in Christ as well, all at rbc.net. Michael, you'll start writing for Our Daily Bread soon. Look forward Mm -hmm. to that. Bill Miller is with us in the studio right now, and it's not the first time we've met Bill, but I think it's the first time we've really had you here for an extended visit. Yes, it is. Glad to have you here. Thank you so much. Michael? 
we've prayed together here, and and uh, Billy is part of Empty Hands and uh, a real key key figure uh, in our in our fellowship. So yeah. it's great to let you come and hear, we can hear what what it is you do. <laughs> it is very yeah. unique. Uh, yeah. Bill, tell us about your heritage. Well, I come from uh, um, uh, the heritage of the American Indian side is uh, Mohican. The Mohican uh, nation came from um, New York State, and our name actually isn't Mohican. It's Mohicanuk, and it, it is the ones, we are the ones that James Fenimore Cooper sort of wrote about us mm-hmm. when, he was, when he was cutting a book deal. <laughs> and didn't know his book would be turning into a movie, Last Mohicans, but good movie. Uh, a little bit fictionalized. But anyways, our people were uh, first witnessed to by Jonathan Edwards. And, um, and, yeah. and in our tribal museum, there's a, there's a lithograph and a print showing Jonathan Edwards preaching over a campfire to the Mohican Indians. Wow. Uh, so my Christian heritage goes back that far. And I recently God read his biography. Is that right? A, a biography about yes. Jonathan Edwards by George Marsden mm-hmm. uh, that talked about that. Yeah. Awesome. So I, I'm, I'm a direct descendant of those people. Our people eventually moved to uh, Wisconsin in 1822. Uh, we were the first public school teachers in the state of Wisconsin and the very first Christians to set up a church in the state of Wisconsin. Wow. That. And, uh, huh. and and then um, whatever. And I grew up uh, in northern Wisconsin in, in Indian country and have been, uh, you know, dealing with uh, the, the stuff that God gives you. You know, I, I tell people if I would have born been born Polish, I'd be the best polka artist you've ever seen. Being a polka is big time. Happen to be an Indian guy. Well, we can only be thankful that, that that's not. <laughs> we'll leave that to Jeff Taylor when he comes in with the accordion sometime. <laughs> well, before we've got lots to talk about, but before we go any further, you've got to sing for us here. But you're going to do a number of songs during this half hour. Though. Yeah, I'm. I'm so thankful to do that. And 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 this is a song called Ghost Dance. And people ask, what what does that mean? And I'll tell you, back in the um, uh, late 1800s, there was a lot of movement in the United States uh, with the government taking over land and also pushing uh, Indian people to their limits because they were so free at one point. And when they, when it'd be like somebody going in into uh, some big development in some city and saying, "You can't live there anymore. We're going to put a fence around you. People can't hunt anymore. You can't fish. You can't do this." And in the process, though, whenever that happens, when pressure comes on us, beautiful things come out of it. I mean, some God, godly things. Even back to African-Americans with slavery came the blues, came jazz, yeah. came mm-hmm. gospel, came the true roots of pain from slavery, came this beautiful music to get free. Mm-hmm. With Indian people, similar things. They were trying to find freedom. And one guy, his name was Wavoka. He was from Yarrington, Nevada. <clears throat> he had a vision that he visited heaven. Now, I'm not going to say he did or not. But the interesting symbolism of it was that he was reaching out for the Messiah, and he told his people we should pray for the Messiah to come back to us. It was almost like they became the the Jewish people for, for that period of time, and, and, it, and it caught on where almost 60,000 Indians were dancing what they called the ghost dance, where they went into a trance and became holy ghost seekers, and, and they danced and sang to God. They gave up their weapons. They gave up their drinking. They gave up their cussing. They just prayed 24 hours a day, fell asleep on the ground, and, and traveled across the United States waiting for the Messiah to return, to return the buffalo, to heal the Indian people, take back the nation that was once theirs. And it became this incredible religious fervor. And that it, dance was outlawed, right? It was outlawed after after Wounded Knee. Yeah. Uh, uh, 300 ghost dancers who were converted Sioux Indians. Now, Sitting Bull didn't. He said, you can dance that dance. I, I, I don't... I don't dance it. I dance the sun dance. Mm-hmm. He obviously fought against Custer. He allowed this one group of uh, ghost dancers to dance it, and they were set up in a camp near Wounded Knee, South Dakota. Mm-hmm. December 29th, the U.S. Uh, cavalry came in, and they thought it was a uh, uprising, although nobody had any guns. One man had a gun for rabbit hunting. And they murdered these people on that field that night, and there's forever a monument there, and they buried him the next day. And um, they just killed them because they were dancing for God. It's so symbolism of, of wow. what we all go through as Christians is that See. you wonder why these missionaries, you wonder why people in other countries are, why are you being, because you believe in God, we're going to kill you, you know. Mm-hmm. And and as Christians, we need to put on our ghost, our Holy Ghost shirts our, our, the, against the white man's because they believe they put on these shirts that the white man's bullets wouldn't penetrate and that God would save their lives. Mm-hmm. And so I took that history lesson. I've been studying the ghost dance religion since I've been 12 years old, went and wounded knee many times. And, and one night while I was in Yarrington, Nevada, uh, I received a, a couple of eagle feathers, which I have with me from, mm. um, from the Paiute Nation. And uh, they said, bless us with a song. And I went in my hotel and I wrote this song and it ended up winning um, 
six Native American Music Awards. It ended mm. up getting me another record deal, actually, on Vanguard Records. That isn't what I wrote it for. I, I, I went into the spirit, as, as you do, Michael. Mm. And there's a time, as a musician, you can just let go and let God take over. And that's what you need to do, you know. Mm-hmm. The training is one thing. It's all information, you know. Mm-hmm. I know this chord. I know this progression. I know that. But the transformation, it's not information. It's transformation. When you let the transformation take place, miracles happen. Mm-hmm. And this song's anointed in its own way. And I get a lot of great emails and letters over the years. I wrote this song in 1998 about how they've sang this song at funerals, how they've taken their fathers into the next realm or their mothers. And Indian people have loved this song. Maybe not even knowing that I'm that that I let it go to Jesus, mm-hmm. and, and 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 let Jesus, he he created us. You know, that's like Christians got to understand that just because I'm a Native American, I'm not going to erase my culture just because mm-hmm. I'm a Christian. I'm not mm-hmm. going to erase something that God made. That's like telling God to take the spots off a cheetah. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, you're assimilated now. You're a cheetah, but don't wear those spots anymore, dude. Mm-hmm. You got to mm-hmm. become this color. All the Christians are right. this color. No. Uh, God has such a beauty in his community and, 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 and his, his races that he poured down. So that's basically what this well, is. I'm glad to know that. Ghost Dance, Bill Miller. sacred ground walk away from death to the land of the living where all the lost tribes are finally found I said where are we going to a ghost dance in the snow I am a mighty warrior finally I'm coming That's the promise. <laughs> we're gonna go to the ghost dance. We're gonna we're gonna go home and That's right. find that place where every step you take is on sacred ground. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's, it's, I think about my own father who was uh, full blood and he was also full blown alcoholic and a, um, uh, somewhat of a pedophile, molested. Uh, he should have been in prison actually, but he wasn't. It was in those days when people didn't talk about stuff like that. And Christians don't even want to talk. They don't say, oh man, don't say that on the radio. Don't say that stuff. You know what? That's reality. And people that suffer, uh, I'm so sick of being a kid from the darkness of that and, and being told, you, know, you can talk about everything else, but don't talk about that. Mm. Come on. God listens to me. Do, do we go and confess our sins and our pain and say, well, I'll tell God this, but I surely won't. I'll tell him about my broken down car and then mm. I need this, but I won't tell him that. No, the deepest, darkest things he brings the light in. And and uh, I think about those first verses, too, that I said, uh, I want to go where the blind can see. I want to go where the lame will walk. I want to see the sick ones clean where the deaf can hear and the silent talk. And I think, and my dad did come to Christ. Praise God. He came mm-hmm. to Christ in his later half of his life. He really, I could tell he was in into Jesus. But uh, I'm going to see a father finally mm-hmm. that's healed. You know, I'm going to see a father that's not drunk and beating my mother. I'm going to... Just, just that, with all the injustice to the Indian people, and people around the world, and the injustice in life, if people would understand that, if Jesus just gave me that, which he he did, and he is, that's enough for me, but he's given us I can't, I'm so humbly and think he's got a mansion up there, and, and, and streets of gold, and all these things. Um, well, who cares about the streets of gold? Well, like yeah. you said, when you're gonna, when your father is gonna be whole and and everyone's gonna be one again, and uh, and that the ghost dance is a great image of everyone dancing together, mm. which is also a very biblical image. Very, very, yeah, yes, yeah, I love it. And, and I guess that's uh, mm. we have to get into the dance. I mean, so many people are outside the circle watching everybody dance mm-hmm. i mean that's how mm-hmm. it was most of my life mm-hmm. you know thinking that well, i don't deserve to dance well you do you're 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 born to dance with mm-hmm. god you you were made to dance for him mm-hmm. you were made to raise your hands and sing praise mm-hmm. bill thank you uh, i know how deeply that's touched us and i can see it in your face here too um we're going to ask you to sing again or do whatever you'd like to do again here i know you've got some other instruments in the studio but tell me about the feathers the eagle feathers here you've you've yeah. got them Right here on the on the stand in front of you. Well, these are golden eagle feathers, all given um, different times of my life. For um, when, when we receive eagle feathers, it isn't out of um, uh, anything but but I guess acts of bravery in the old days and certain initiation rites for men. So I'm honored when I go out into Indian country and I go through ceremonies in Nevada as I receive those from the Paiute Nation, and I've received eagle feathers uh, recently. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, I won my first Grammy Award, and it was more thrilling to get an eagle feather from my <laughs> tribe <laughs> wow. than a Grammy. Uh, but they gave me a, an eagle feather for winning the Grammy. But <laughs> I've gotten these for my work with kids on reservations. But the interesting thing that our God uh, created these beautiful birds to symbolize uh, the, the spirit of, of God. You can see the eagle in, in Scripture all the time. And um, the, the beauty of a golden eagle is my favorite um, eagle, big, big bird is that God designed the tail feathers to have exactly 12 tail feathers. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's the 12 tribes of Israel, mm-hmm. 12 disciples, mm-hmm. 12, it's all these beautiful things. And so I carry these feathers with me. They're called prayer feathers, and I I use them to basically symbolically brush away uh, Satan's influence in a room or in a studio or when I'm on the road. I, 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 I literally pray while I'm holding my feathers to God and bless the cords, the mics, and stages before I perform a beautiful image and I bring, yeah. bring that out because we need we need that we need to be proactive in our praying and not, not I'm, I'm saying even with things that we hold that mean mean things to us because you look at what happens when we look at an old picture of a wife that passed away or like when my father passed away the first thing I did when I got home after his funeral my mother said do you want anything in your dad's and I went into his closet and I smelled his clothes mm. you know and people that have lost loved ones can relate mm-hmm. to one mm-hmm. I just held his shirts next to me and his hat and mm-hmm. you know those things spur you on to the next movement mm-hmm. and that's what I, I can tell you that these eagle feathers do to me is that when I bring them out I don't bring them out but only to pray I don't bring them out to cut the grass with you know what I mean <laughs> yeah it, you should find things in your prayer life that, that remind you of God of your connection with your family or the family of God and it, it spurs you into a different zone of prayer that's mm-hmm. good really so that's, that's good mm-hmm. alright um, 
You gonna sing for us again? Yeah, I, you know what I can. Yeah, let me do another song for you. I'm so anxious to hear all these instruments, but you're gonna start with the guitar again here. Yeah. This okay, song, we'll get to some other things later. Yeah, this song is. Um, uh, it's interesting that that when I was writing this song, I I um, had just adopted uh, my first African American baby, and we have two that we've adopted. We have five children. Jacob is a beautiful child, and and I love uh, the African American community has meant a lot to me. In fact, I grew up in Wisconsin and went to art school in Milwaukee and used to catch an Amtrak train for $25 round trip to Chicago, and I would go down to Maxwell Street and go out there and just get into the blues. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started to see what the blues means. Blues is a, is a genre of music that's connected to roots. You know, it's just, it's re- it's it's unto itself. It's mm-hmm. it's like the jazz thing, and it just got a, a, a it's an openness you can walk in and and and, and get air your your pain out. It's just like a real. <laughs> we would call that lament, Michael. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Before. Yeah. And so uh, I thought, well, why not have an Indian? You know, and and I'm eventually going to do a whole album of native blues bass. But I took the words from native culture, and uh, my Christian belief, and combined it with the blues. You know, and this is what it, what it came out. It's called Blessing Wind. American blues. Didn't know if I'd ever hear that, Michael. How about that? Well, I, I hear a I hear a war drum playing the, sort of the standard cadence behind all that. That would have <laughs> been right. yeah. I mean, would that work? Yeah. Bill Miller's yeah. with us in the studio with Michael Card. Bill, we've got just about three minutes or so left. We've got to hear you play yeah, yeah. this over here, though. And uh, this is this is awesome. This is my double flute. Now your listeners can't see this, but there's two flutes connected at the end. And I always tell my audiences, and I play in the secular world, it's, it's my God, God the Father flute. 
when I lost my father, he went in into the heavenly realm with the Lord. I always have God with me, and, and that was the thing when I was grieving my dad. I was wondering, why did you do this, God? Why did you do this to me? Why did I have a dad like him? He said, I never left you. And, and it's up to us to imitate him and the best we can. There's God. He's ever, ever unchanging, beautiful note. Mm-hmm. And in order to imitate him, I have to cover all the holes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have to not blow hard, just blow lightly, and I can get... But when I unite with God, this is what happens. I'll, I'll play on, on my side, and then I'll bring God into the picture here. Now let me bring him in. I've heard anything that beautiful in a long time. Haunting. A wooden flute, really. A two. It's in V-shape, so you can blow into the ends of both at the same time. Yeah. Now, where would you find something like that if a person wanted to look? Some, if, some... if a Michael Card wanted to get one of those, <laughs> I've got to play it. <laughs> I mean, well, other than you just giving me that one right now. <laughs> ain't going to happen. <laughs> My friend, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's a couple places I can tell you is on, on uh, the powwow circuit that's happening across the United yep. States. There's usually vendors that have flutes. Okay. They might have some like that. Not not many have the double, but... Yeah, I've never seen one in it, because we have a powwow here at Leaper's Fork, oh, yeah. and, and I've never... Never heard a sound quite like that. It's just, unbelievable. Just haven't. Play, play a little bit of that little one. You've got a... This one, yeah. yeah it's we'll, a brand new one. We'll have to end with this, Bill, okay. but go ahead. It's Br- almost a penny. I would call that a penny, a it's like Native a penny. American penny whistle. That's right. We'll play us out here. Thanks, Bill, for being here. You're welcome. Bless you. Thanks to Bill Miller for being with us and sharing his music. But we've come to the end of our time together this week here in the studio with Michael Card. If this time together has been valuable for you, please take a moment and pass along your comments or post a review of this podcast. You can pass along the link for this podcast to a friend. Search for Michael Card on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on Spotify. And send your comments or questions through us through our website. Go to michaelcard.com and scroll down to find contact. We look forward to reading what you post to michaelcard.com. You can also access Michael's weekly blog, learn about his conference ministry, and other ways to expand what you've heard in this session were found at michaelcard.com. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Lauren Kosky, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Card.